Any follower of the Lord Jesus Christ who is not knowingly, willingly submitted to the control of the Holy Spirit is living in sinful disobedience to God. It is a direct command of Scripture because God wants to work powerfully in and through every last one of us that names the name of Christ. The Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity. As followers of Christ, He's not to be a distant thought in our minds. He needs to fill us every day. He needs to be in control of our thoughts and actions. And when we let Him, He provides the power for living. Stay with us. Welcome to Living a Legacy, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of Crawford Lorenz. Today it's the second part of Crawford's message about how to grab a hold of that power for living. If you're new to our program, our teacher has been in Christian ministry for over 50 years, serving as a pastor, conference speaker, seminary professor, and author. His books include Your Marriage Today and Tomorrow, Unshaken, and Make It Home Before Dark. The messages we feature each week on Living a Legacy come from Crawford's 15 years as pastor of Fellowship Bible Church of Roswell, Georgia. Although Crawford has retired from church ministry, he is still active as head of the Christian mentoring ministry known as Beyond Our Generation. You know, it's so easy to fall into the trap believing that we must foot most of the effort to successfully live the Christian life. Well, that's never how it was intended to be. Jesus knew we couldn't maintain any level of spiritual maturity without the work of the Holy Spirit. Let's jump back into our study. Our text is John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. Here's Crawford Loretz on living a legacy. What are we ingesting? What are we taking in to us? Because what we take into our lives will demonstrate itself in terms of how we live. What's, what's forming our passions? What's forming our outlook? You know, what, what, do we, what, do we, what do we really emphasize in our hearts and minds? What are we spending time with? What are we letting into our eye gate and our ear gate? What are we thinking about? And we will become that like that which we ingest. You, you know, you can't bifurcate your life, although we try to. And ultimately, there's no such thing as a, as a sustained hypocrite. Because over time, your life is going to tell the truth about what's inside of you. So what are we ingesting? And this is the larger point when he says, be not drunk with wine, but be being filled with the Spirit. So there's this negative command. Now, again, the analogy, the analogy has to do with control. Just as wine or any other substance or what you ingest controls your behavior, he says, don't do that, but rather, number two, be continuously controlled by the Spirit of God. And be not drunk with wine, but the tense in the Greek construct is, but be being filled with the Spirit. Be being filled with the Spirit. I want to point out two things. The reason why they use that construct, be being filled, they wouldn't translate that in English, it's poor English, but the, the reason why they do that is that, number one, the filling of the Spirit is urgent. Be being filled. The control of the Spirit, be being filled right now, this moment, right now, right now, this moment. Be being filled with the Spirit. The second thing is that be being filled infers that uh, the filling of the Spirit is somewhat fragile. 
I didn't say that the Holy Spirit was fragile. I said that his control is fragile. Where do you get that from? Well, you, you know, the, the sin breaks the control of the Holy Spirit. Sin breaks his control. And any time we sin, the control of the Spirit is broken. That's what I mean by being fragile. We, 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 we have to press in to being filled with the Spirit. And listen, I'm like everyone else. You know, you, you, just because you were filled with the Spirit this morning doesn't mean you're filled with the Spirit now. As George Burr says, the problem with the filling of the Spirit is that we leak. <laughs> Stuff happens, and you have to pause and say to yourself, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for that thought. God, it was sinful the way I responded to that person. And you confess that, and you yield, and then the Spirit of God controls you. But be being filled with the Spirit. As you read the New Testament, you come to the conclusion. Hear, hear what I say, what I'm saying here. It is abnormal for a Christian not to be filled with the Spirit. To not be filled with the Spirit is deviant Christianity. To not be filled with the Spirit is dysfunctional Christianity. Now, notice I said it is normal. I didn't say average. Because the average Christian is not filled with the Spirit. The average follower of Christ is not. But average should not be normal. Average is average. What is the norm of the Christian life? As you read the New Testament, what is the norm of the Christian life? What should be normative in our walk and relationship with God? What is to be normative should be the power of God. It should be. We should be typified by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. This is the era of the Holy Spirit. We should be typified by that. The supernatural should not be strange in our hearts and lives. It should not be unusual to us. It should be normal. But it's not normal. Now, I want to say something here. Um, this is the reason why I have a hard time of preaching this message because I need actually three or four messages to make sense of this, but let me just shoehorn this in here. Uh, some have asked through the years, well, what's the difference between abiding in Christ and the spiritual life? As if the, those two things collide. Either you're abiding in Christ, and some have gone off the, off the deep end with some aberrant teaching on the deeper spiritual life where they say, well, it's all abiding in Christ, and they, they do not emphasize the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Well, I say this to all of us, abiding in Christ in a spiritual life is two sides of the same coin. They're not in contradiction in the Bible. They're not in competition in the Bible. They're two sides of the same coin. Listen, in John chapter 16, Jesus said that when the Spirit of God comes, he will glorify me. Glorify me. The signature of the Spirit-filled life is not necessarily signs and wonders. The signature of the Spirit-filled life in the New Testament is Christ-likeness. Hear me on that. It is Christ-likeness. The agent for the filling of the Spirit is the Holy Spirit. The content is Jesus Christ. The agent is the Holy Spirit. The content is Jesus Christ. And we're going to see this in a few moments 
when we get over to Galatians chapter 5 and Paul's exposition of what he said in Ephesians 5.18, Paul wrote a whole book to a church that was filled with signs and wonders and spectacular stuff, but they were as carnal and as nasty and as divisive as the day is long. That's the book of 1 Corinthians. Read it. And it was not a sign that, that the Spirit of God was authentically controlling the lives of the people there. Because they, 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 were, they were struggling with Christ's likeness. And yet you read the rest of the Bible, the New Testament, the sign of the Spirit of God working in our lives is that he submits. He does not glorify himself. The Spirit of God does not glorify his works. What does he produce inside of us? He produces the character of Christ. We look like Jesus when we're controlled by the Spirit of God. We're not boasting about the power that we have. We look like him. Now, having said that quickly, so... These spirit-empowered followers of Jesus, what do they look like? Well, they're filled, meaning that out of their innermost being, the source comes from within. Who's within? The Holy Spirit who, who, who regenerates, indwells, baptizes, and seals. And when we get out of the way, he, he flows through us. They're characterized by being controlled. Why? Well, they, 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 are, they are demonstrating what they've ingested. Filled with the Spirit, they're controlled by them. But thirdly, they are equipped. Galatians chapter 5. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to read every word of this, this paragraph or so. Galatians 5, 16 through verse uh, 25. I want to I I encourage you, whenever you read the Bible, um, before you go to external commentaries, try to figure out where is a parallel passage that explains what you just read. And the Bible will often do that, especially in the epistles, especially Pauline writing. So in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, for example, he said, And be not drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be being filled with the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 25 here, is Paul's explanation in detail or his commentary on what he said in Ephesians 5:18. And he's talking about how, how spirit-empowered people are equipped. And I just want to lift five words, five words from this passage here. How the spirit, of, the spirit of God, when he controls us, he equips us. He gives us all that we need to live a supernatural, transformed life. The very first thing he says here is verse 16. He says, but I say, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You say, well, Crawford, how is that? How is that a characteristic of being equipped? It seems like that's an imperative, a command. Yes, it is. Well, let me take a little bit of liberty here. The only way we can walk in the spirit is that the spirit empowers us to walk in the spirit. Now, I don't mean to be double speak, but the spirit empowers us to walk in the spirit. You can't gut this thing out as we're going to see in a few moments. The word walk there, what does he mean by that? He, say, he, he means by that that, our, that that the totality of our lives is characterized by the dominance of the Spirit of God, wherever we might be. 
I love it. I love it here because he's not talking about, you know, you only walk in the spirit when you're up here preaching or you only walk in the spirit when you're in your community group. You only walk in the spirit when you're teaching your Bible study. You only walk in. No, 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 no. Peripateo, in your daily concourse of life, wherever you might be, in your home, in that confrontation you might be having with a teenage child or in this situation that you've got to walk into. And as you're driving down the road, as you're in the office, you're on the Zoom call or wherever you might be, you're to be typified by the work and ministry of the Spirit of God. Don't compartmentalize Him. The Spirit of God is your life. He's your life. Walk by that. And by the way, it's a present imperative. Meaning step by step. Walk in the Spirit. Don't separate him. Don't, 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 don't compartmentalize him. Don't forget about him. Crawford, your life is the work of the Spirit of God. Your life is the work of the Spirit of God. Your life is the work of the Spirit of God. And if Christians could ever get that, our growth would be accelerated. Your life is the work of the Spirit of God. So the first word is walk. The second word is the word led. Led, led. Now here, this is down in verse, uh, verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you, will not, you are not under the law. I'm borrowing from the argument of the book of Galatians. The word led here, and he's using this, this whole idea, contrasting it to law, uh, really implies freedom. The Holy Spirit gives us enormous freedom freedom. And in context here, they, Paul is writing against the legalism that had kind of gotten a stranglehold there in the church of Galatia. These folks just kind of like giving all these rules of do's and don'ts. But he, what he's really saying is that just as our salvation is not possible by works, our sanctification cannot be achieved by human effort. You cannot, in your own strength, you cannot make yourself a better Christian. In your own strength, I didn't say don't be a better Christian. The qualifier is that in your own strength, you cannot make yourself a better Christian. It is the work of the Spirit of God. Paul said in Colossians 2, 6, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. How did you receive him? By grace through faith. How do you walk in him? By grace through faith. And it's that freedom that we have. People who are empowered by the Spirit of God, they're not legalistic folks. They're not running around bragging and boasting about the rules that they have and this kind of thing. They're enjoying the freedom that they have in their Savior. We are indeed Indeed, free. The third word is the word fruit. Look at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. I want to point out two things. Number one, the word fruit is singular. It's not the fruits of the Spirit. I argue that although Jesus' name is not mentioned here, these, this is, this is a, these are characteristics of a person. And it's the characteristics of our Savior. This is the fruit that the Spirit of God produces in us. We look like Jesus. 
increasingly. It's the fruit. Now, the second thing I want to point out is that, notice in the Greek it's the genitive case, but it's possessive. Notice it's the fruit of the Spirit. Of the Spirit. You do not produce the fruit. I don't produce the fruit. But my yieldingness to the Spirit of God, my yieldingness to Him, He produces Christ-like character in and through me. He produces the fruit. That's the reason why we have to yield to the power and presence of the Spirit of God in our lives. You can't do this stuff on your own. You can't. You can't overcome your sin on your own. Now, don't hear me as saying that we don't discipline ourselves. We should do that. And that we don't fight the good fight. We should do that. That we don't resist temptation. We should do that. But you can't do that in your own energy and strength. You do it by the power of the Spirit of God. And he produces the fruit in and through us. It's the fruit of the Spirit. The fourth word is the word live. Live. That's down in verse 25. So he says, if we live by the Spirit, if we live by the Spirit, the word live there, it has to do with the vibrancy of life. Overflowing life. It's the idea of what Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. That you might really live. And I don't think it's a stretch to say that this is a descriptor of eternal life. Eternal life is not just the quantity of our lives, it's the quality of our lives. That in the context of human history, you're experiencing life the way it was meant to be lived. This is the work of the Spirit of God. And I think it's appropriate description of what Jesus said in John 7, that out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living, 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 living water. You want to really live? Surrender to the power and presence of the Spirit of God. Don't fight Him. And the fifth and the final word is this. Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Say, Crawford, your math challenge, that's three words, not one word. Keep in step. Well, in the Greek text, it's one word. It's stoikeo. It's translated keep in step. This word has two implications. I think literally, step by step, our lives should conform to the Spirit's direction and enabling power. Moment by moment. We follow the Spirit, and He enables us step by step. It means that. But the second one is the, 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 the origin of the word stoikeo. It was used of, a, it's a military term. It was used of an army that had been trained, equipped. They were standing in battle formation, and they were, they were ready to meet their foe. It speaks of courage and readiness. The Spirit of God equips us for the battle. It's an interesting study throughout the Bible to show the relationship between the anointing and presence of the Spirit of God and courage. How the Spirit, even in the Old Testament, would come on the armies of the, of the children of Israel or would come on leaders and, and He would give them what they need. He does that today. 
And that's part of the equipping ministry of the Spirit of God. Well, the question is this. Are we controlled by the Spirit? And by the way, I didn't say this, but Ephesians 5.18 is not a suggestion. It's not a good spiritual tip. It is a command. And any follower of the Lord Jesus Christ who is not knowingly, willingly submitted to the control of the Holy Spirit is living in sinful disobedience to God. I'm not being dramatic. I'm not overstating it. It is a direct command of Scripture because God wants to work powerfully in and through every last one of us that names the name of Christ. So you say, Crawford, how do I experience this? It's very simple. You don't have to tarry. You don't have to you know, fast and pray to be filled with the Spirit. You don't have to do any of that stuff. God is not masochistic. He is not beating us up. He's not punishing us. He, if, he says, if he says to do something, he provides us the way to get it done. And as I said earlier, there's two things that we have to do, but they're two big things. It's easy to understand, but for some of us, it's going to be hard to do. The first thing is this. We have to repent, confess, and repent of all sin. You can't play games with God. You can't be holding on to stuff in your heart and mind. And, you know, you still want to lie, and you still want to go to sites that you ain't got no business going to, and you still want to treat people nasty, and you still want to be, you know, cantankerous with your wife and all that stuff, and then you're going to draw a curtain over that and ask the Spirit of God to fill you. God says, who, 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 who you think? What, you think you're hiding from me? So you have to come clean. And then secondly, you have to yield your will to him. It's an act of my will, Lord. I take my hands off my life. And I claim by faith your control. You do those two things, the Spirit of God controls your life. I don't feel anything. He didn't ask you to feel anything. It's by faith. You just do it. Crawford Loretz, our speaker here on Living a Legacy, with a message titled, Holy Spirit, the Power for Living. And hope that challenges all of us to become much more aware of our need to daily depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. If you joined us late in our program, you can hear the entire message on our website, livingalegacy.org, livingalegacy.org, or on your favorite podcast site. And this may be helpful. Many of Crawford's messages are also available to download for free. Look for the MP3 link on the website. We're so grateful when you get in touch with us. It's encouraging to know Crawford's teaching is being used by God to help you take next steps in your walk with Christ. Here's a recent email from Don. He writes, I've been a longtime listener of Living a Legacy. I don't know why I have never written before. This is my first correspondence to say thank you for the impact this ministry has had in my life. I love Crawford's approach to the expositional teaching of God's Word. He lovingly teaches the full counsel of God without holding back because a particular passage may not be popular to discuss or because it cuts against the grain of pop culture. To all who make the ministry possible, stay faithful. Remember your first love and who it is we will stand before someday. God's blessings. Well, thank you so much for your email, Don. We really appreciate your first-time correspondence and so glad you checked in. Now, you may be like Don. If you've been a long-time listener but have never been in touch, we'd love to hear from you. 
It helps us know that this ministry is meeting a need and that you want this program to continue. Here's our address, legacyatmoody.edu, legacyatmoody.edu. For Crawford Loritz, I'm Bill Davis. Thanks for studying with us today. This program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.